It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 14th of May. A ton of news. It's Zion Lottery Day. Portland and Golden State get started. Some playoff thoughts. And do players actually get tight, stressed out? Are fourth quarter shots harder? Is the mid-range mafia have a point? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, really geeky today, little research project done last night, and hopefully making it more fun to be a fan of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. Hope you're great. You can get today's podcast on the new Himalaya app. Subscribe or follow on Himalaya as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. I think you can even now Google search Utah Jazz Podcast, and you'll end up like you can search podcasts now. Um, Again, ratings and reviews, you guys are amazing. I did not mean for this suddenly to be this kind of onslaught of reviews, but I sincerely appreciate it. Uh, CP83, not CP3, said, I look forward to listening every morning here in Ogden and often at night too, David's smooth voice. That's not. Um, true. Puts me right to sleep. Oh, that is true. Works like melatonin, but without nightmares. Good podcast, though. Very packed with content. Makes being a jazz fan more enjoyable. I think there's some humor there. Um, and also, uh, Locks is the best podcast. Anyway, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. It's been great. Um, so super appreciate that support. Um, I always, I'm kind of blown away by you guys. All right, let's get, here's what, uh, I want to get to a bunch of news items. And then uh, I got in a conversation with Kevin Pelton yesterday. The mid-range mafia is, like, perking their head up right now and trying to talk about how the mid-range has more value in the playoffs than the regular season and you should be shooting mid-range and not threes and all this. And so let's dig into it. Um, Something I've been kind of following throughout the season is whether or not the mid-range shot um, as a game is different based on quarter. So I charted the following, did a project last night, and looked at, the five areas of shooting, rim, paint, non-restricted, long two, quarter threes, and above the break threes, and broke them down by quarter and was able to look at uh, shooting and whether we're better or worse throughout the game. Then based, then was able to, with the uh, QSQ, quantified shot quality, able to look at did shots, did guys not make shots or do the shots get less good? As the game goes on, still able to compare to uh, whether you should be taking mid-range shots or taking three uh, threes. And then I was able to do the same in the playoffs and compare that to the regular season. And then I did catch and shoot and probably should do off the bounce, too, but didn't get to it. So we'll dig into that in a second. There are just so many news notes today that on the forefront, I want to make sure I got to you. So let's um, let's get to those right away. Today is lottery day. Zion is that great. I really, I look at Zion and I got to tell you what, 
the last time I felt this way about a player, it was certainly LeBron um, and how great he was. And I think when you start to look at Zion, it's it's that same kind of franchise-changing player. He had the highest uh, box score plus minus of any college player since 2010-2011, the next closest with Anthony Davis. He had the highest win shares per 40, uh, or was second best in the country. He was at 1.24 points per possession. His block rate's incredible. His steals rate's incredible. Shot like 75% on twos. Uh I'm sure he'll struggle. My only concern on Zion is I've done a bunch of research on players that are 280 pounds or more, and they don't usually last. It's just too heavy in the NBA. So I do think that that huge body is going to have to thin down a little bit. Um, but he is he is truly, truly a star and a game-changing player. So we want him in the Eastern Conference. Um, I think what's interesting is Nylon Calculus did some notes that show that there was less tanking this year than there has been in the past. This lottery is the first one where they pick the top four. It's the first one where I believe the Knicks sitting at the top have less than a 50% chance of actually getting a top four pick. Um, that's, you know, kind of crazy. Um, the Knicks are top three pick. They're at 40% chance of a top three pick. Uh, as the number one pick, uh, Cleveland is the same and Phoenix is the same. The top three, the three worst teams all have the same odds. And then four uh, is is not a great deal less, nor is five with Atlanta and, and Washington. So um, it will be interesting to see how this lottery plays out. This has long-lasting impact on the league and whether or not it eliminates tanking, which they certainly uh, were hoping to do and trying to do in this um, with this system. So we'll see. Um, it also has enormous Anthony Davis implications. Uh, obviously, if the Knicks get the number one pick, they probably, or number one or two, they probably can make an Anthony Davis trade. Uh, from our standpoint, there are five, the six teams um, that are in the top of this lottery are Eastern Conference teams except for Phoenix. And so we would like to see them go west. The other one that gets a little interesting here is Dallas loses its pick to Atlanta unless it uh, jumps into the top four. We would probably prefer them to lose their pick. So we're rooting for Dallas not to be in the top four as a Jazz fan. Uh, We certainly don't want Minnesota getting a a great pick here out of this thing with all their talent. Uh, That would be a little unnerving. And then the other one that's interesting is, is Memphis is at eighth and would probably like to slide to nine to let that pick go to Boston. I just don't. It's just too too. I think it's immaterial, frankly. Um, the final one that gets really interesting is the whole Knicks situation with picks and Dallas and the Kristaps Porzingis trade. Um, and Kristaps Porzingis cannot stay out of the news. He got in more trouble in back, I think it was in Latvia, and then he has the rape charges that it, you know got kind of dismissed, but I don't think, um, I don't think are a non-issue. I think there's something, you know, I don't know. I mean, I just... That's staying, it's staying relevant, so I would keep an eye on that. Uh, so, all right, that's the big one. Portland-Golden State starts tonight as well. Uh, quick few thoughts on that one. I Portland's defense against Denver really wasn't very good. And Denver didn't have a defensive prowess to be able to slop, stop Portland, so you had an incredible series. I'm not sure that that happens here. I just think the inability of Portland to get stops is too big. I actually think we'll have, after the one of the great two weeks of NBA basketball playoffs, I think we're going to have 10 games in the two conferences. 
I think we'll only get 10 games in this round. And be, and then we'll get our Milwaukee-Golden State final, and that'll be great. That'll be great. I don't know who wins that. Um, Lillard has been able to score against the Warriors, but his efficiency has not been great. Um, and I, you know, it the, the answer is that well, Lillard's going to have to go bananas. Okay. No Durant. You know, what's interesting about the Warriors is no Durant means the ball moves more. They they use Steph in a more dynamic fashion. Against Portland, who does not have great defensive guards, this is hard for them. Uh, I'm not in any way trying to claim that they're better. Like, Durant doing his thing is awesome, too, and Durant as a spot-up shooter off some of this action is awesome. But the fact that this team can kind of go into this game and not have to worry about working almost between their two different systems, which is getting Durant his looks and letting him have his plays, as well as Steph, Draymond pick and rolls, Clay running off staggers, movement off the ball, playmaking, tempo, uh, late pick and rolls, but mostly off ball screens, action, I think actually helps the Warriors a little bit. Um, they just have, they just have so many weapons. Really cool story, by the way. Uh, in Rob Mahoney's Sports Illustrated piece today, Steph Curry wore his vintage shoes the other night for game set, uh, six in Houston. He went back to his old kind of shoe from the era before Durant. Don't don't misunderstand, guys. These guys want to win without Durant. Like, they're a little tired of that routine. They, it's not like they don't like him as a teammate or don't want him as a teammate, but they're a little tired um, of that routine. Uh, note on the playoffs so far before we then dig into the research project I did about players getting tight. Um, the offense in the league is up 107.5 points in the playoffs, which is the highest since 1987. It's an interesting little note. I do think, you know, we, we touched on this a little bit the other day on Kemba. I'll probably dig into it more. Playmakers are really important. I, I'm, I'm nervous about the Kemba-Donovan mix. And whether everyone gets enough looks, I'm believing more after watching these playoffs that a player of Kemba's ilk is is vitally important. Um, there's even a really interesting discussion about average players. This league is so great and so incredibly impossible. The, the greatest players are so great. And the next tier, it's just really hard. And there's something to be, I mean, Al Farouk Amino and Mo Harkless, we talked about, Jay Crowder, these guys that are all really good basketball players, they're, they're incredible. When they get in the playoff system structure, they get exposed. And and do they? Get, it's an interesting debate on what you do with these 9, 10, 11, 12 million dollar players. They're great regular season players, but when they get to a six, five, six, seven game series in the playoffs, their weaknesses get fully exposed. And are you better off actually having McKinney for a million who just kind of gets you through the regular season? You're spending your money on your stars because, frankly, when it gets to this, Derek White can do it for a game, but he can't do it for a series, and you need CJ and Dame and Jokic. Murray even couldn't do it for a whole series. He was pretty good, but not great. You need great, great players in the playoffs. It's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting kind of how you build your roster and what you do. Uh, in this regard. All right, let's, we'll get to my research in a second. Today's show is brought to you by Homie. Homie is revolutionizing the real estate world and changing the way real estate is done. For all these years, it's been you just 
selling a house and 6% goes out the window. Well, it's not that way anymore. Homie is taking a flat fee at $1,500 per listing. It's just that simple. $1,500 per listing. Boom. You have a house that you've remodeled, put all the work into, increased its value, and then why should you be giving away more? No, you put in the effort. You bought the house at the right time in the right place. Why should you be? No, you shouldn't be giving away more. So Homie's going to do it differently. $1,500 flat fee. Find out more. Learn more about Homie by texting LOCK, L-O-C-K-E, to 88588. That's L-O-C-K-E at 88588. That's LOCK to 88588. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. The... Uh, side note for you, uh, yesterday I went and watched the 6A Girls Golf Championship. We had some fun player, fun uh, friends whose kids were playing. So great to watch sports at that level. Face painting and cars painted and kids just having fun. That's what this is all supposed to be. You know, I'm making a living off it and we take it so seriously. We get so digging. We dig. It was just really fun to kind of be reminded about that. So I just thought I'd throw that out there um, and toss that in there. Okay, so here's the research project. The question is two things. Do players shoot less well as a game goes on? Do they shoot less well in the playoffs? Is the mid-range jumper more important in the playoffs than it is in the regular season? Okay, so those were the three questions that we're trying to answer here. So... Looking, the way we, I did it is you take the effective field goal percentage by quarter of each of the various areas on the floor. And then you also look at the shot quality they're getting to see if there's any major difference throughout. So let's start in, in the regular season. In the regular season in the NBA, everything is fairly consistent. First of all, shot quality is almost entirely consistent throughout the entire game. The lead, the average corner three shot quality effective field goal percentage is 57%. So it's still the best shot other than getting to the rim. And in the fourth quarter, it's 56.6. Okay? 
So the shot quality you're getting in the fourth quarter on a corner three in the regular season is virtually the exact same as you get during the season. The above the break three is 0.5 percentage points less good quality of shot in the regular season in the fourth quarter than it is otherwise. Otherwise, all your other shots are, are pretty much the same. Your paint non-restricted area, your long twos, your rim shots, they're all the exact same shot quality, first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. But in the fourth quarter, the corner three is the same. The above the break three drops 0.5, okay? Not much. What about result? Their long two shooting is better in the first and third quarters, probably because you got better players on the floor for the entire quarter. Nothing more complicated than that. Corner three shooting is better in the first quarter. And then you get to the fourth quarter. And in fact, in the fourth quarter, players shoot three percentage points below shot quality on corner threes. So it should be 56.6. And instead, the effective field goal percentage of corner threes during the regular season is 53.6. So that's considerable. Three, three percentage points. The above the break three, which should be hit at 52.5, is suddenly hit at 50.5. Two percentage points. So fourth quarter, three-point shooting is less good than any other time in the NBA during the regular season. All right, so we should take mid-range shots. No, because the effective field goal percentage in those shots... The corner three is still 54, and the above the break is still 50, so one point per shot or 1.08 points per shot, whereas the long two is 40%, and the paint non-restricted area is like 45%. So you're still way better off taking threes, but in fact, in the fourth quarter, either due to fatigue or nerves in the regular season, those shots are don't go in as often. Okay? What happens in the playoffs? Well, let's look at shot quality. Does anything change dramatically in shot quality during the playoffs? The rim, which in the regular season is a 65.5 shot, slips to 64.6. So one percentage point down from playoffs. So people, the teams are in the playoffs, probably protect the rim a little bit better. They're better defensive. That's, but it's only one percentage point. The paint non-restricted area, the exact same. The long two. Shot quality, the exact same. The corner three, almost the exact same. 50% effective field goal percentage shot quality in the regular season, 56.8.02, almost the exact same. The above the break three, 52.5 during the playoffs, 53 during the regular season, 0.5 difference, pretty close to the exact same. So surprising. Playoff basketball shot quality is virtually the exact same as the regular season. The intensity level's up, the pressure's up, the defense is inked up, and yet the shot quality is relatively similar. How about the shot result? Teams make two per, two and a half percentage points less shots at the rim. Their paint non-restricted area is down 0.8. Their long two is about the same, down 0.5. Their corner three, down 2.5 percentage points. And above the break is down about a percentage and a half. So, 
Shooting is just less good in the playoffs. Intensity, focus, defenses. There's the shot quality's got to be. There's got to be a little bit more difference, right? You're being bumped. You're off your rhythm. Something in the numbers probably doesn't show entirely correctly here. Now, what happens when we get to the fourth quarter? The shot quality in the fourth quarter of corner threes and above the break three. Shot quality at the rim is actually a little better than the rest of the game. The shot quality paint non-restricted the exact same. The long two the exact same. Your corner three shot quality drops .7, as does your above the break. So shot quality is about a percentage point, half percentage point less good in the playoffs, in the fourth quarter, from three. What happens to shooting percentage? It plummets. It plummets. Fourth quarter... Corner three shooting in the playoffs goes from an, goes to an effective field goal percentage. Effective, which weighs three-point shooting, of 49.4. First quarter's 58% effective field goal percentage. So let me make sure you're understanding effective field goal percentage. Effective field goal percentage basically is if it was all taken as twos. So a, it's a, they're making 39% of corner threes in the first quarter. By the time you get to the fourth quarter, they are making 32.7% of their corner threes. So 39%, 33%, basically. Six percentage points lower in the fourth quarter on a corner three than on in the fourth quarter than the first quarter in the playoffs. Pretty huge. Is that nerves? Is that fatigue? Is that guys playing longer? It is, according to quantified shot quality, it's not that they're being defended dramatically differently. Corner three shooting is universally down in the playoffs compared to the regular season. Overall, down 2.5 percentage points. But in the fourth quarter, it's down four percentage points overall from what they get in the fourth quarter in the regular season. And the shot quality is down, but not a lot. Okay? Kind of interesting. And the differential between what's expected and what they're doing is dramatic. How about above the break threes? Above the break three for the game is an effective field goal percentage of 51.5. So that's about a little about a 34% shot. Okay. Right about, right about. In the first quarter, the playoffs team shoot 51.6. In the second quarter, they shoot 51.7 effective field goal percentage. In the third quarter, it goes up to 53.7. It actually goes up two percentage points. They actually shoot better in the third quarter on above-the-break threes than shot quality, than expected. It's actually better. And then the fourth quarter comes in the playoffs, and it plummets again. The effective field goal percentage rounded up in the third quarter is 54%, 54, and in the fourth quarter is 47. So again, trying to put that into a number that you completely understand, a three-point shot 
they're making in the third quarter they're making 36% of all three qu- three point shots from above the break and by the fourth quarter it drops to 31%. So there is no question guys are getting tight. Playoff fourth quarter basketball Houston misses 27 straight. Denver, we're seeing it happen. There is statistical proof that the three-point shot in the fourth quarter of a playoff game, because of what you wonder, do they get nervous? Is the distant make it? It is a harder shot. That is true. Guys are making it at a stunningly lower rate than they would otherwise. Does this mean that the mid-range mafia that you should be taking more mid-range shots, that you should change the way you shoot. We'll talk about it when we continue. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. I got a bunch of texts recently from people wanting to know about a new car coming out from Murdoch. And I finally had to, and it's, I had to finally text Blake. It's, it's called the Palisade. And I guess it's not out till June, but people are raving about it. End of June. So we'll have to keep an eye on what Hyundai's got up their sleeve next. They're so innovative. You just, I don't think you naturally think of Hyundai as this wildly innovative company, but they are. Like I'm driving the Santa Fe. The back door doesn't open if there's a car coming. Kid safety. They reads whether a car is coming and will not allow a kid to open the back door if it believes just vacuum seals. Incredible. The safety features of the cruise control. Um, I, I love driving it because it's got that cruise control. I just put on cruise control and drive. Even when I'm sitting on university heading to the U of U, I go put on cruise control 40 because there's cops all over that street. And it just comes to a nice stop for me if there's a car in front of me at the stoplight. Beautiful sizing inside. The Santa Fe is a fabulous car. The Tucson's. They've been remade a little bit. They look sporty. Just keep seeing those on the road. And there's a house right next to us who has two Konas. Those people are loving their Hyundais. Check it out. 4646 South State Street. That's where Jason and the crew are. Stop by and say hi to our friend Jason. He's who sold us our Santa Fe and has helped my wife out uh, a bunch recently on oil changes and safety inspections and great little service things. Really has been fabulous to us. Uh, also, uh, out in Linden. Where that's where Blake is spending most of his time and up in Logan. It is Murdoch Million sales event in May. Stop by and see the 2019 Santa Fe is starting at 21990 That's incredible. 21990 Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I've tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me and now the all-new gen 4 theragun has a proprietary brushless motor it's so quiet it's no louder than an electric toothbrush and best of all you can try theragun risk-free for 30 days there's no substitute for the theragun gen 4 with an oled screen personalized theragun app 
and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on the name of this network right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on theragun.com slash locked on. So guys get tight. Catch and shoot three point shooting. Not as dramatic. In the regular season, though, just to give you an idea, catch and shoot. We always talk about the catch and shoot three. In the regular season, in the fourth quarter, catch and shoots are down three percentage points from what they should be. So if you get a catch and shoot, corner three, league average is 57% effective field goal percentage. They make 54% in the fourth quarter. The above the break is down two percentage points. And they're down about three percent from shot quality. In the fourth quarter of a regular season game, a catch and shoot corner three has an effective field goal percentage of 54% down. In the playoffs, it's down to 49.5. This is incredible. The quantified shot quality of a corner three in the playoffs is 56.7. Not dramatically different than what it would be in the regular season, about 0.6 difference. Yet the shot quality is 7%, or the shot making is 7 percentage points less good than the shot quality on the catch and shoot corner three. How about the above the break? Even more dramatic. Eight percentage points in the fourth quarter catch and shoot playoff game above the break three right there for you. Now, maybe they're forcing guys they wouldn't regularly shoot. Maybe you can't afford to have bad shooters on the floor. Maybe it's the nerves. Maybe it's the fatigue. Who knows what the reason is? But this is incredible. Playoffs catch and shoot third quarter above the break three effective field goal percentage 55%. That's a great shot, right? I mean, that is 40, hitting 55% catch and shoot above the break three. You're hitting 37% catch and shoot threes above the break third quarter of a playoff game. You get to the fourth quarter, and that number slips to 30%. How about that? Slips to 30% catch-and-shoot three in the fourth quarter of a playoff game on an above-the-break catch-and-shoot three. 30%. Gets pretty interesting, suddenly, what happens here. Because the effective field goal percentage of a catch-and-shoot three is 45.5 in the fourth quarter, and in in a mid-range shot, a long two in the playoffs... Is 41.3, and the paint non-restricted is 43.3. The difference is now getting small enough that the mid-range mafia might actually have a point. It's incredible to me. How the, the, the numbers here are just, like, to be 7 and 8 percentage points lower than expected value in the fourth quarter of playoff games. I mean, So there are multiple factors, probably fatigue, excessive minutes, but the nerves or something, you know, I think it's the nerves, right, of a playoff game in the fourth quarter. Like you can see it here statistically. 
that this is taking place. So what's the impact of it? If you go and look at the effective field goal percentage in the fourth quarter, if you get a corner, if you get to the rim, you're still golden. 1.2 points per shot, right? The 1.3 points per shot, really. But your paint non-restricted area shot, which actually is being shot at a little less well, is a .86 points, like it always has been. Your long two is a .82. Your corner three is still .98. It's still, despite all the struggles and seven percentage points less good than expected, and dropping from the fourth from 54% effective field goal percentage to 49. So five percentage points less good. And your catch and shoot corner three performing at eight percentage points below expected. It is still a considerably better shot than any mid-range shot. 0.98 versus 0.82 versus 0.86. It's slimmer, but it's still better. What about the above the break three? Well, now we're getting something interesting here. So that's at 0.94. The above the break three is at 0.94. The paint non-restricted area is at 0.86. And the long two is at 0.82. Tell you what, over the course of a season, over the course of a lot of different items, that's still statistically significant. But it's getting slim enough that you begin to waver a little bit on whether someone can pull up and get into the mid-range and have it be a better shot. What gets even more interesting is when you suddenly drop the fact that if it's a catch-and-shoot three and not an off-the-bounce three, it's being shot even lower, which is the exact opposite of what we see in the regular season. And the thought I have here is that catch and shoot three on the above the break three is going to the player that the other team, your opponent has deemed they want to have shoot. But the catch and shoot three on the above the break catch and shoot three in the playoffs is being made at a rate of point nine points per shot, maybe 0. 0.91, 0.91, so still better, but we're now at 0. 0.91 versus 0. 0.86 per 0.82, it's not the huge discrepancy that exists during the regular season, so there is something in fact to be said for the quest of the mid-range mafia that says just get the best look. There's something to that as the game progresses and moves later into the fourth quarter. Now, the team that's made the most threes won like virtually every game. Okay? So let's not get too carried away here. Don't go take this to the next step. Oh, the mid-range shots more. Like, let's not go crazy. Like, every time you do one of these things, people, I have a feeling, in my opinion, to take it one step further than it probably is meant to be. But when you look at the 
three-point shooting numbers, the team that has made the higher percentage from the three-point line is 50 and 16. So higher percentage, not more. But higher percentage. And I think the team that's made more threes has won almost every game as well. So let's not go nuts here. But it's an interesting development in how you address shot selection as a playoff game continues. And it's really fascinating how large that discrepancy is between expected value and actual value in the fourth quarter of playoff games. And you can decide whether it's guys getting tight, players getting the shots that they, the teams want them to get, or it's fatigue. That is today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Thanks very much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed that analysis. We will get to our Joe Ingles player preview. We'll do some interviews next week. I'm going to be um, out of town, so I'm going to put some interviews in the can. Then probably first segment will be updated every day. And then um, have maybe Ron Boone, Tony Jones, some of those guys uh, join me on the show to chat about uh, how they see things taking place and argue. If it's Tony and I, we'll just argue about what we think about NBA players. All right, it is Locked On Jazz. Talk to you soon. This is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Go grab Locked On NBA. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.